Well, we are concluding our sermon series called Broken, and I want you to take your bulletin out one more time, and there's some notes for the sermon there, but also there's an, an insert. I call it an insert, but in fact, it's a letter from me to you, and uh, to close off this sermon series, um, I don't want us to just tie a nice big bow on it and put it to rest and never revisit it. And in fact, this is now where the work begins. And in that letter, I I mentioned that there's a next step I want you to take. We're all broken. We all have uh, those those degrees of brokenness and hurt and, and sorrow, pain, suffering, whether it's spiritually whether it's emotionally, whether it's mentally. Uh, we heard last week, even physically, those, those wounds and those scars can be. Uh, I want you to take a next step, and that is talk with someone. Um, I want you to, uh, to open up, um, share about those things uh, on two levels. One is to encourage others uh, with um, what God is doing and has done in your life, but also talk to someone so that, that the, the healing can continue particularly if there's some, uh, some hurts and some sorrows and some, some brokenness that is still unresolved and unhealed. Um, you'll notice number one in there is talk to a, a, a friend, um, preferably a, a Christ follower, someone who, who has made Jesus a leader and the forgiver of their life, uh, someone who has a, a level of wisdom and you can trust. I put trustworthy um, that's sometimes uh, not a given. And uh, tr- seek out a person like that who you can talk with and talk uh, about things with. There's a, a, a next level, uh, if I could put it in those terms, a next level to go uh, beyond that. And that is call the church office. There are pastors, elders here at the church would love to sit and talk with you, have a cup of coffee, meet with you uh, over a meal. Um, or meet here at the church, and uh, many other ministry leaders here, life group leaders, um, that uh, would make time to, uh, to uh, pray with you, talk with you, and explore what God has for you further. Beyond that, um, I want to offer some, some folks in our church uh, have agreed, we've, uh, they and I have talked on the phone, um, and they've agreed um, to make themselves available. And we do have some professional people here in the church who are educated, who are trained. Some have even been in, in uh, uh, licensed uh, practice uh, before. Um, but to offer their, their services, to offer um, you to meet with them um, sh- uh, strictly on a peer level, uh, not on a professional level by any means, but uh, to meet here at the church or, or somewhere else that, that you arrange. Um, um, over the last couple of weeks, Heather was up here. She's uh, educated. She's, uh, she's trained. Uh, she's offered to, to meet with uh, anyone that uh, would want to meet with her. Uh, Dr. Calvin Carmen, who was with us two weeks ago, has, has uh, uh, agreed that uh, if he can meet with him. We have a, a number of others as well. So that's the n- next level. You'll notice at the bottom of the page there, I've listed some counseling centers. These are Christian counseling centers, one here in Wise County, three outside of Wise County. Sometimes uh, there are some things that uh, we need help with. Um, that we need to talk, not just talk with somebody, but we need someone with some tools, some concrete tools that we can apply. And, and uh, may I encourage you to, uh, 
uh, consider making uh, Christian counseling an option for you. No matter how small, no matter how big you might think it is. Um, there, as I mentioned, there's one here in Wise County, three outside of Wise County. I understand that some, you just don't want to run into a person up at Whataburger. And so sometimes visiting with somebody down in the Metroplex and being added, that added level of anonymity is, uh, is a good thing. But Wise County Christian Counseling is a fantastic organization here in Decatur, here in Wise County. And I've asked uh, Beverly Ross, uh, Beverly, if you wouldn't mind joining me up on the platform here. Beverly Ross is the Executive Director of Wise County Christian Counseling. And I wanted her to come up and just uh, uh, share with you a little bit of, about what uh, the Counseling Center is. And uh, uh, Brittany, um, uh, who is uh, Pastor Luke's wife, uh, she's the receptionist over there. She's, uh, she kind of looks after pretty much everything down there, mm-hmm. doesn't she? She does, everything. Um, and she'll be at uh, the desk out in the lobby afterwards. But I asked Beverly to come and uh, share just a little bit, first of all, about her journey um, we often think of pastors and uh, um, you know, people in professional uh, ministry as people who are exempt from hurt and brokenness and that. But uh, if you know Beverly, have heard her story, uh, you know that that's not the case. Beverly is uh, Jonathan Ross's. Jonathan is one of our elders. Uh, she's Jonathan Ross's mother. So we can celebrate that, right? And... Uh, uh, <laughs> Jonathan Jed and Jocelyn, Jed, Jed and Jocelyn, grandmother. Oh, grandmother yeah. of Jen and Jocelyn. That's more important, right? Yes. And um, uh, her husband, Rick, is pastor at Decatur Church of Christ, a good friend of mine. We meet together regularly, and uh, Rick and Beverly, wonderful friends. Um, but in ministry, that doesn't make us exempt from hurt. True. Doesn't make us exempt from uh, broken. Um, That's right. Share with us a little bit about your journey of brokenness. Oh, thank you. Um, You know, there's some mornings you just wake up and you're just kind of raw about your own story, huh? And I would love to think that at some point, if you dug deep enough into faith, you would be immune from, from brokenness. But the more into faith I've grown, the more I know that that is not true. That there's a phrase that I've taught for years and years, and it says, prepare in the light for what you will do when darkness comes. And I believe that that's exactly what the sermon series has been for you, is a preparation during light, maybe, for what you will do when darkness comes. Because when darkness hits, it is almost impossible to prepare at that moment because it is so, so dark. I went into counseling as a first grade teacher to protect children and to teach mommies and daddies how to do marriage and family better. Uh, I started here in Wise County in 2006. I was by myself until February 3rd of 2010. February 3rd, I hired a counselor to come to work with me, not having a clue what February 4th would be. But on February 4th, Jonathan's older sister, my only daughter, went into the hospital. She'd been diagnosed with flu. A few hours after that, we found out Jenny did not have the flu at all, but what she had was group A strep, and she was septic. We fought for life. We absolutely beat down the doors of heaven. We had over 15,000 people joining us praying that Jenny would be healed. But on February 22nd, we walked out of Baylor Grapevine to go tell a nine-year-old who has stood on this stage worshiping the Lord in front of you before as an 18-year-old, something that we thought was going to ruin her life. Grief is really 
hard. Somebody say truth. And what I'm here to tell you today with all the boldness that I can muster is that death is not the only and maybe not even the worst grief producer that we walk through. Somebody say truth to that. We walk through some really, really hard paths. That is not an immunity. That is not a guarantee because we follow the Lord Jesus. But rather, what is the guarantee? Ephesians 1.3 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He gives us spiritually the air, the breath that we need. So, February 22nd, walking out of that hospital, I was already a woman of intense, deep faith. I am crazy about Jesus. But walking out of that hospital and totally filled with anxiety, what I wanted to do, my husband's quite a bit taller than me. I wanted to grab his shirt like that, but I didn't. I put my hands on his chest and I said, you've got to remind me that what we believe is truth. And my man looked into my eyes and very firmly and boldly, he said this, and somebody in this room needs to hear this today. The tomb is empty. Direction is everything. And so if I text a friend right now, I have about 20 maybe in my circle, that if I text and said, remind me, they would write me back and they would say the tomb is empty. At Wise County Christian Counseling, we are a group of licensed counselors. We're all licensed by the state. And every one of us could be in private practice, but that is not our heart. I've got 14 counselors now that are all on board to do this as a nonprofit. And this community has totally supported us to make that dream come true for us. We serve people on a sliding scale basis, and that means you pay what you can. We don't have you. We don't, we don't look at your income and tell you what you should pay us. You pay what you can because we do not believe that paying those economic boundaries. Somebody say truth to that one. It's hard. It's hard. And so if grief is not the only producer and if direction matters and if tools matter, because you see, we can sing songs all day long about there's no chains on me, but unless you know the tools to walk, to dance, and to live like you don't have chains, it's like the chains are still there. Truth? And so what we want to do at Wise County Christian Counseling is we want to show you the empowerment of the Lord Jesus and what he has already done inside of you to release you to walk in freedom, and to explore and enjoy relationships that the Lord meant you to have, including with Him, to release you to experience healthy, healthy tools. Now, what I want to be clear about, though, is for me in my own journey, I want to be bold here, that my heart will ache forever for my daughter. That's not even my goal. But my goal is that the Holy Spirit inside of me, with His peace, with His joy, with His hope, with His love, with His compassion, may hold hands with that grief. And that my road does not have to be doomed because I'm a sad mother, but that joy can also be mine. Grief and joy can hold hands in our journey when we're given good tools. And that's what we want to be about at Wise County Christian Counseling. We've got two events coming up this next week. Tomorrow night, we're hosting Hope Through the Holidays, and it's for any one of you walking the road of grief. Come, because the holidays can be a beating. So we want to come. We want to explore. You'll have time to share your story and time to experience 
memories with the person you love. And then Thursday night, Thursday all day, is National Children's Grief Awareness Day. And Thursday night, we're going to host a special event for children in grief, where they will bring pictures of their treasured person. And we'll make Christmas ornaments with that. Those are flyers for both of those are in the foyer with Brittany. And then I've also bought copies of Josh's book. Josh is my oldest son on reentry. And Josh has written a book on how do you re-enter life after a season of pain and darkness. Man, I'm so proud of you, Darren. I'm so proud of the sermon series you've done on brokenness. I'm so proud of the artwork up here because I just had to sit down for a moment in the worship and just look at the artwork. It so speaks to our souls because aren't you today hungry, wherever you are in life's journey, for hope? Direction is everything. Thank you. I think some people get thinking that, oh, that's just for people who are really, really hurting. Mm. Uh, um, The scope is from what is relatively insignificant, although it is significant, right, to tell us a little bit about the scope of uh, what takes place or the the type of counseling. I know you you have some professionals, some wonderful professionals that are specific to kids. Yes. um, Marriage, relationships, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, trauma. We do start very young. We have some that start as young as three. Some of our kids don't come till they're five, but we've got counselors trained because play is the language of children. And so sometimes just for them to play with sand, they're, they're all trained in this. I mostly did marriage before Jenny died, and now I do a lot of grief. But we have people trained specifically for trauma. We have people trained specifically to work with teenagers, with young adults, with marriage, and also with geriatrics. I believe what Dr. Brene Brown says when she says this, that every person has a story that will absolutely break your heart. And what we've got to do is show up and hear each other's stories. And it could be this morning that you are experiencing a lie from the power of darkness, that your story doesn't matter. And let me tell you something else that we believe at Wise County Christian Counseling. We believe, we totally believe that by exposing our stories, we can silence the power of darkness. And we believe that there is absolutely no room for what we call comparative suffering. It does not help me. It does not bless me. When someone walks up to me and says, I can't talk to you about my grief because bearing a child is the very worst. And what I want to say back is, how is that helpful for either one of us? But what we do is we lock arms and we walk like this. That's why I'm so grateful to be in this community for such a time as this, because you have sustained me. Yeah. We talk about the body of Christ, mourning with those who mourn and rejoicing with those Absolutely. who Absolutely. Amen. Sometimes the hardest thing to do when we're mourning is to rejoice with somebody That's who's right. having a great day, That's vice right. versa. And that truly is what the body of Christ does. It happens here at Crossroads, having church after church around the community. So, yeah. Um, you're going to be at the back after I will be. with Britt. I will be. Um, stop by and pick up a brochure, find out more information, uh, call the office. You'll get Britt on the phone. And uh, nine times out of ten, you'll get Britt on the phone, right? I think. Well, we've hired someone else to answer the phone. Oh, today, no. So, <laughs> so you won't get Britt can on help the phone. a little, yeah. And I, this I is, have her number, so. Well, th- th- this is not a threat. I promise it's not a threat. But you guys better be really, really good to Luke because I don't want Britt to leave. So. Uh, there you go. Yes. Well, let's think. Thank you, Beverly. Uh, thank you for all you do thank in town you. here. Thank, thank you for being with us today. All right, God bless.
All right, I want you to turn your Bibles to, um, actually move ahead to 1 Peter 1. And um, I'm going to refer, you see in your bulletin, there's a, a section at the top there that, that says, um, that brokenness is universal. And um, I'll get to that in just a moment. But uh, before I do, um, uh, Beverly mentioned these art pieces. And as um, we've seen over the last couple of weeks, so we have four artists in the, in the church who uh, graciously said yes to uh, the creative team, asking them to display, to uh, portray what brokenness meant to them. And those testimony videos that you saw over the last couple of weeks, those are on our website. We encourage you, if you haven't seen those, uh, come up after, take a look at the, the art pieces, as well as um, take a look at those videos online. Uh, just some stunning um, uh, artists, some stunning uh, portrayals of brokenness and freedom and the light and, and uh, joy that God brings. Uh, but we're blessed, and I just want to thank our, our four artists for doing that over the last number of weeks and uh, um, helping us uh, see um, what God has for, for each of us. But I talk about uh, brokenness being universal. And just as you heard from Beverly, you've heard uh, our story, uh, my story, Dana's story, um, of walking through some difficult times. It, it wouldn't be a surprise, it might be a surprise to you, but uh, to turn to the person, if you had five, ten minutes to just stop and ask the person next to you about a difficult time in their life. Every single one of us has been touched by brokenness and grief and hurt and pain, suffering in some way, shape, or form. It's universal. Um, in Jesus' life, he experienced grief as well. But you say, well, well, Jesus was fully God. Well, yes, he was. But we read that he's also fully man. He, he experienced all that we experienced, yet was, was without sin. Jesus experienced grief. One of the, 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 the most poignant uh, parts of his life was the time when his, uh, his best friend, one of his best friends, passed away, Lazarus. Um, I learned this verse back when I was a kid, more of curiosity than anything. What's the shortest verse in the Bible? And it's the, the one in, in John 16 where it says, Jesus wept. Jesus experienced sorrow even as you and I experience sorrow. True grief, true sorrow. So, so uh, pain and brokenness, hurt is universal. We all experience that. But we don't stop there. Addressing broken. Some people say, why would you want to address broken? We're, we're here to celebrate life. And well, that's why we're okay with addressing brokenness is because the period doesn't come at the end of in this world you will experience trouble. The sentence continues and says, but take heart, I have overcome in the world. Jesus Christ has overcome our sin, our pain, our hurt, our suffering and brought joy and brought life and brought peace. So today, I want us to look at four notes, four reminders, four hints. Uh, you might see them as a post-it note that you write on and you put on the fridge of your heart. You, it might be a, a, a three-by-five card that you write these things on and you, you post these things on the, the, the cork board, the, the memo pad of your heart. That's what I want to encourage us with today. Four things in particular that I believe God wants to remind us with 
coming out of 1 Peter verse 1. Let me give you a little bit of background of the, of the epistle that Peter wrote, the letter that Peter wrote. Peter wrote uh, his two epistles to a hurting church, a suffering church. You see, the church of the New Testament had, had gathered and they'd emphasized community, hanging out together, breaking bread, celebrating, worshiping together. And yet a point came when persecution came and the church found themselves running for their lives. To put history in perspective and to match timelines, biblical timelines with historical timelines, the church, during Peter's writing of these letters, the church was undergoing persecution at the hands of Emperor Nero. And if you know anything of your history, you know anything of the world back then, under Nero, some believe that that Domitian was was another uh, one. It might have lined up with his reign, but most people agree that it was during the time of Nero. Nero loved, loved in sadistic style, loved executing Christ followers for pleasure. You see, it was based on hatred, it was based on fear, it was based on these people are different, they don't worship the same gods we do, they're monotheistic, not polytheistic, they don't embrace what we do, and in some way, shape, or form, they're a threat to me and my kingdom and my livelihood, so I am going to eliminate them and exterminate them. And so he set out for sport to execute, to persecute, to eliminate Christians. Some history books tell us that Christians would be impaled on stakes and put in his garden and burnt as nightlights in his garden. Horrible executions. Horrible. This isn't just, oh, I don't like you, so why don't you live outside of my city? No, this is murder. Sadistic murder. And in this context, Peter writes this letter to a church that is running for their lives. Take a look at these verses. I believe there are some underlines for those of you who have electronic versions, just drag and drop your finger. For those of you who have a highlighter in the paper version, go at it, okay? But here are some things, and we'll get to those, those notes in just a moment. He starts in verse 3, says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. Remember who he's writing to. We live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven. Not here on earth, but in heaven for you. Pure and undefiled. Beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by His power. Get that. He is protecting you by His power, even though you're enduring and going through all this junk that we call this world and this life and this sinful place. Until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Verse 6. So be truly glad. Really, Peter? Really? So be truly glad, he says, there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. 
These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Verse 8, you love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Isn't that great? The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your soul. This church that was persecuted, this church that was running for their lives, Peter puts an exclamation point on God's provision for their lives. And I believe those are four things. The first one is this, praise. Praise. You're thinking, huh, are we talking about the same thing? We're we're talking about brokenness and you're talking about praise? Yes, praise. Have you ever tried it? In the middle of the junk of your life, in the middle of the stress of your life, in the midst of the brokenness, in the midst of the, the suffering, praise. Have you ever tried it? If you haven't, try it. It will rock your world. It'll change your life. Try it. Psalm 42, David's talking about why so downcast? My soul is downcast. There's this heaviness upon me. My life is is in this swirling vortex going down fast. And yet he says, I will praise the Lord. I'm going to praise him. And take a look at at Psalm 42. It's almost humorous, the irony there. He's saying, I will praise. My, My heart is downcast. I will praise. I will praise. And you're like, yes, there's breakthrough. And then he says it again. Yet my heart is still downcast. Did we just read that? My heart is downcast. I'm going to praise. And then he goes, but my heart is still downcast. But then he comes back. I'll praise. Over and over. I'm going to praise the Lord. Try it. Fill your life with praise. Fill your life with with acknowledging who God is and what he has done. Remind yourself. I love that. Remind me. Would you go ahead and remind me and praise does that every Sunday as we enter in here and we worship. Pastor Barry, the worship team, reminds us to praise. So we praise that God is praiseworthy. He's faithful. He's reliable. We need to land the plane and resolve that God is who He says He is. We get to that point and we resolve to praise. Note number one that we pin to our heart. Note number two that we pin to our heart, Peter says, is hope. Hope. So we have praise, but we also have hope. We live with great expectation, Peter says. An inheritance awaits us. Uh, Dr. Calvin and I, two weeks ago, talked about these undulations of life, these ups and downs. I referred to C.S. Lewis. Many of you know C.S. Lewis by the Narnia Chronicles that he wrote, but he wrote another book called Screwtape Letters. And in Screwtape Letters, he exposes the ploy of the enemy, the ploy of Satan himself, who would come after us as Christ followers in these undulations, these ups and downs. And he says in his book that at the low point, that the enemy's job is to convince us as Christ followers that those pits, those low points are permanent. And that there is no hope, there is no under, there is no up, there is no upswing, there is no tomorrow. 
And if the enemy can convince us that those, those low spots are permanent, then he's got us. So what do we do? We live in hope. Hebrews 6, the writer of the Hebrews says, we have this hope as an anchor. It's firm and it's secure. Because Jesus is our forerunner. He's the one that has gone on ahead. And because he has, we have this hope and we have the confidence that goes along with it. Paul in 2 Corinthians says, we don't lose heart. Though outwardly our bodies are wasting away, though, you know, anyone who's 50 and over said amen, you know, our, our bodies don't function the way they should. And yet he says, we have this hope. So we fix our eyes on Jesus, not what is seen, but what is unseen. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. We have this hope. The third note, I believe we should pin to our hearts, Peter says, is assurance. Assurance. That God is protecting you by His power. God is protecting me by His power. And we can be certain of that. Dr. Carmen said that we know, that we know, that we know, that we know. That we can be certain. I love what Heather said last week. In that deep, dark time of her life when the heart that had been promised to her was, was given to someone else, in that moment she knew the presence of God and that she was sure that God had her best interest in mind regardless of what was taking place in the physical realm. I love Paul in his letter to Timothy. He says, I know whom I've believed. I know Him. I know who I believed and I'm persuaded, I'm convinced that He is able to keep that which I've committed to Him until that day. So I can lean my weight fully, completely on Jesus. Why? Because I'm sure and I'm certain that what He's promised will come to pass. That's the truth. That's the certainty that we can live our lives with. Do we believe God is who He says He is? And if so, let's live accordingly. Let's walk this day out. Let's walk this week out like we believe what He says. Finally, the last note, the last post-it note to hang on the fridge of your heart is anticipation. This wonderful joy that lies ahead that Peter talks about. You know, we all hope, don't we? We all hope for things. Um, some people hope, uh, hope for a home, that they would be a homeowner at some point. Some people hope for relationships. Back when I was single and in college, I was hoping for a wife. Praise the Lord, he brought Dana rescued me from my singleness and loneliness and yeah. we hope for things right we we can hope for other things uh, you know football day today nfl we have our teams and we hope for a celebration at, in february we we have sports teams we have kids playing sports that we hope for things and that that's good but but hope is Nothing if we don't have the assurance, right? We can't really anticipate if there's no assurance attached to hope. You see, hope without assurance is shaky. 
Here's the thing, we could all hope to go to Hawaii. How many here hope to go to Hawaii? Yes, okay. So here's the deal. I want us all to get in our cars after the service here, and we're going to drive down to DFW because we are hoping to go to Hawaii. Let's do that. Let's just all hope. Let's hope that, you know, and we'll, okay, we're going to meet in Terminal D right at the ticket counters, and we're going to hope collectively to go to Hawaii. How does that sound? Let's hope together to go to Hawaii this afternoon, and we'll, we'll hope, but you, you see where I'm getting at. Hope without assurance is shaky. It means nothing, but, but here's the, think of it this way. After the service, I'm sitting up here with a stack of tickets, plane tickets, to Hawaii. And everyone said, amen? And I said, here's the deal, okay? I have a ticket for each one of you, and you're going to walk up here, I'm going to give you a ticket, and then we're going to meet down at D-Terminal. And we're going to hope to go to Hawaii. And we're going to be sure. Why? Because we have the ticket. That's just brought anticipation, hasn't it? Anticipation. And you see, with Jesus, it's not just hope. Hey, I'm hoping that one day this will come to an end. I'm hoping one day I'll be set free from this. I'm hoping that, that one day my, my sadness will turn to joy. We could do that all day long, and it doesn't mean anything. It's like standing in D-terminal hoping you're going to go to Hawaii. But how is this different? This is different because we have the assurance attached to it, and His name is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came, died on a cross to solve the problem of sin that came into the world in Genesis 3, came to solve the problems of our lives that are called sin, hurt, pain, suffering. And in those things, we can experience peace. Peter coined that phrase, comfort in affliction. Parakletos on Flipse is the Greek Parakletos is the word we, we use for the paraclete, the comforter, the comfort of the Holy Spirit. On flip side, affliction, suffering, pain, comfort in affliction. You go, okay, that's sweet, that, that's a nice term, but those don't go together. Well, yes, they do. You see, in Christ, in Christ, we can experience the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. It rises above all understanding. It guards, it guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And we can step through these things because they're not the end because Jesus said this isn't the end. I have a future. I have a hope for you. Life, faith, peace, contentment, joy. I was talking to someone after the first service and they said, Pastor, I'm a person of faith and yet there just seems to be a lack of joy in my life. So we prayed for that because I, I believe God wants to restore joy and you might be in that place here this morning. You're simply saying, I've come to this point and, and Jesus is the leader and the, he's the Lord of my life and I've said him, but there just seems to be a block. There seems to be something holding me back and I believe that God wants to set you free from those. He wants to help you through that and bring you to a place of life and peace, joy, hope, contentment. Do you believe He can do that? Do you believe that Jesus paid the price so that 
here in this world, even though you experience trouble, you can experience His victory because He has conquered death, hell, and the grave. Let's stand together, all right? I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. First and foremost, I believe that a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is step one. And if you're here this morning and you have not surrendered your life to Jesus, I'd encourage you to do that. And you can do it right here. It's as simple as saying, Jesus, thank you for loving me. I thank you that you loved me so much that you came and you gave your life to pay for my sin. And I confess my sins to you. I confess those here, right in this place. And I thank you for setting me free from those. I thank you for giving me a new life, for making me clean. And in faith, I believe that you are Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I surrender my life to you right here and right now. You can do that today. And for each and every one of us to receive the work of Jesus on the cross today, new and afresh, you can do that because He came to set you free. In Isaiah 61, it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to provide for them. I love this exchange that takes place. And we thank you, Jesus, for this exchange. That you give us beauty for the ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. Lord, many are here with heaviness on their hearts today. Lord, may we put on the garment of praise and worship you for who you are. May we exchange the sorrow that we have for the joy of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for taking our despair, for taking our worry, for taking our anxiety, for taking our fear our hurt, our pain. Thank you for paying the price for our healing physically as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.